Sex, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the speculative interdimensional vehicle, Sex in Space. Its mission, to explore new points of view, to seek out fresh opinions, to boldly go where so many have gone before, and still somehow manage to totally miss the point. Subscribe to Sex in Space, wherever quality podcasts are found. Hi there, I'm Toshi and welcome back to Sex in Space. We're here continuing to explore sex across all of its infinite dimensions. I hope everyone out there is doing just fantastic. Whether you're a first-time explorer or you're a more seasoned traveller who's tuned into our podcast many times before, we're delighted to have you with us. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any other platform, we sincerely thank you for being with us. Don't forget to show your support by liking, rating and subscribing. For more great Sex and Space content, you can head on over to TikTok and Instagram, where you can search for us using our handle at sexandspace.com. That's sexandspace, D-O-T-C-O-M. We really love to hear from our listeners, and your feedback means the world to us. We're all on this journey together, so please feel free to reach out in any way you like. Now let's jump into an awesome interview. For this episode, Tim spoke with Angelique Jurt, who writes male-male romance fiction, which she describes as people-driven stories about slightly broken boys. Angel's first book, Jessie's Smile, was published in 2018. When she first went through school, Angel got a degree in languages before travelling around the world, starting a family, working as a business journalist, before going back to school to study English literature and media studies, and finally ending up writing contemporary gay romance. Angel is also a kitten, and if anyone wants to check out the fantastic cat ears that she was wearing during the podcast, you can check out the video version of the conversation on our YouTube channel, Sex and Space. Let's get into it. You're an author, and it's prolific. Yes. Uh, since about 2018, is that right? In some... Yes. Yeah? Yes, 2018. And majority of that output is a category which I didn't know existed, um, male-on-male romance. Yes. Yeah? Yes. The... All of my books are male-male of... romance. Yeah. Yes. It's not all erotica, is it? Some of the stories are... I l- probably am... Not classed as erotica at all. Okay. Um, I do have steamy scenes, absolutely explicit steamy scenes, but I am considered a fairly tame MM author. Okay. And I actually get hammered in blog reviews regularly for not having enough steam. Okay. (laughs) My one claim to fame is that I have a review for The Mason Jar where a man who was reviewing said there was too much sex and not enough romance Okay, (laughs) and he would have liked more romance and less sex and the thing that's really funny about that is that The Mason Jar is my book with the least sex (laughs) so I hope he doesn't read any of the others. Yeah, oh right, okay I mean, yeah, I delved into it and there was was plenty for me um, as Um, as a straight man, you know, in his 40s but you know, I I thought for for a starter, for a starting off jumping in point for Into the Category um, I didn't find anything. <laughs> my my books um, tend to be quite vanilla. Yeah. Pet Me is probably the least vanilla. Okay. But they, they tend to be vanilla and fairly tame for the the, the genre. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, the, the broad range of themes, I suppose, um, or at least that I picked up on. And yeah, Pet Me is the 
the one that features kink, mild kink. Is that is that mild you... kink? Yeah. Um, it's the first book in a series about um, a group of of men. It, revolves around a sex store Mm -hmm. so um there's two groups there's the owner of the sex store and his friends and there's a group of younger men who start out as customers and then various pairings are made um so pet me is about a young man who is very very shy and interested in pet play Mm. um and he actually becomes the love interest for the owner of the store yeah yeah, that was what I was picking up on on the snippet that I had. It was like a a lot of the sort of you know in, safe introduction into that yes that world. Yeah. I guess. I, I guess a, that's part yeah. of what I try to do. Yeah, I like you know. There's that old thing about write what you want to read, mm. and you know, I'm like most people. I enjoy a good steamy scene as much as anybody else. Yeah. But I like stories, um, whether it's books or, or movies or or anything really, where we get to know more than just that surface part. So Mm. I'm really not interested in what they look like and what clothes they wear and what job they have, and then suddenly they're in bed. I really want to know more about them as people. So for for Pet Me, um, what would it be like if you had a young man who came from very limited means, very limited experience, who was curious about something that he couldn't get a lot of information on because of his circumstances, That who was in a situation where he didn't know who to ask, where mm. to ask it, how to find out. He's got very limited funds, so he's saving up for a particular object that he sees. Um, and he suddenly gets thrown into this world where somebody says, actually, I can take care of you. Mm. And I can help you explore this. Um, what would that look like? You know, how how would that that be? Yeah, you studied languages, is that mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you know, family, career, etc. Tell me that story about how you got started as as a <coughs> fiction writer. What sort of? Um, I probably started as a fiction writer when I was about seven. Yeah. <laughs> so I've always wanted to write. It's all I ever, ever wanted to do yeah. was, was write. I was extremely good at English at school. Um, I figured that I would be a journalist because that was writing that paid. Mm-hmm. Because in those days I sort of didn't really associate being able to be a fiction writer with myself. Yeah. Um, so I, when I left high school, I probably did something else entirely <laughs> and ended up getting a degree in languages. I'm bilingual in French and I, I speak a smattering of four other languages. Um, very badly, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> um, I lived in France for close to a decade. Oh, wonderful. Got married, started a family, came back to New Zealand, grew the family. Um, went into management because, you know, that was a sane thing to do. Um, Marriage exploded and the kids and I moved to Auckland. And I thought, well, you know, our whole life is completely upside down. Why not take a little bit further? And I started just ringing around places and saying, look, I'm not a 20-year-old 
journalism graduate, but I can write, mm. um, could I start at the bottom? And an ag newspaper took me on. Oh, yeah. And I started out as a junior reporter um, for Straight Furrow. Um, I moved on from there to becoming an editor for a business newspaper. Okay. Um, and I, at one point, had five papers in my stable. And from there to a glossy IT um, magazine. None of these things interest me yeah. in the slightest, <laughs> I might add. But I was writing, so that's what I was, yeah. was happy about. And I did get to interview some amazing people like um, Peter Snell. And, oh, cool. You know, some, some very cool people. Yeah. Um, the only problem was that I was, by the time I was at the IT magazine, I was a woman in my 40s with no formal qualification. Right. And in journalism. So my male colleagues were all earning sometimes 20, 30K more than me. Mm. And I often had the bigger job description. Yeah. Um, I never missed a deadline. You know, I, I was getting good, good responses. I was getting good revenue into the the publications, but because I didn't have that piece of paper and I was a woman, um, journalism is notoriously misogynistic, right. um, I just, I, I could not get the, the money. Yeah. <clears throat> so I quit, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I quit and I went back to school. Yeah. And the plan was that I would get a journalism qualification so that I could go back maybe get a magazine or a publication that I was interested in um, and, you know, earn some decent money. So in my third year, I took a creative writing paper because I needed to round out the last few credits and we did a workshop. And the workshop was write a 3,000-word short story. Mm -hmm. So in good student fashion, by now I'm... I'm 50, I have to add. Um, I went, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. Oh, my God, it's tomorrow. What <laughs> yeah. the fuck am I going to write? Oh, what no, am I going to write? What am I going to write? Memories. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when my kids were going through uni and freaking out, I was in no position yeah. to lecture them because they'd watched me yeah. doing exactly that. Um, and so I came up with an idea for a couple who wanted to have a baby, couldn't, and the sister-in-law of one of the couple said, well, I'll be a surrogate, and it blew the family apart. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that's, that kind of works, but it's sort of dull, and I don't really have a hook to make it a bit different. And then I thought, what if they were both men? Mm. Okay, that works. So knocked out the story, handed it into my workshop, and when I opened up my email, all I had was... What happens next? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> what happens next? And I walked away with an A- minus in it, and they said, we need to know the rest of the story. Yeah. So that was the end of my, my degree. I finished, and I'd applied to do my master's, so I had 12 weeks before that started. And I thought, okay, um, I will sit down and figure out what happened next. And 12 weeks later, I had a book um, that... Sold Brilliant. to a small independent publishing company 
and I was over the moon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it documented <clears throat> this, this couple from the time they meet through to having a baby. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought, this is really good. I'm still going to go back and, you know, do my Just, master's yeah. and go back into journalism. But I wonder if I could write another one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, could I do it again? So I wrote another book, offered that to the same publishing company, and they went, no, nah, I'm not interested. Right. And I was really disappointed and thought, oh, now what do I do? And a friend said, why don't you throw it up on Amazon? Oh, okay, fine, I'll throw it up on Amazon. My sister's good for this kind of thing. She'll yeah. buy a copy and I'll be able to say, I've sold a book. Yeah. And, you know, life will go on and I'll go back to journalism and yada, yada, yada. I put Jesse Smile up on, on Amazon and Jesse Smile is about a young man who is neurodivergent with a whole raft of comorbidities who works in a pet store and he meets a teacher and it's the story of their relationship. And mm. it, it's, I got a, a message in my Facebook Messenger about a week later saying, we really think you need to go and have a look at Amazon. And Jesse's Smile has been nominated for two awards. Didn't win them, but it was nominated. Um, it's still my bestseller. Um, Brilliant. When I run it for free, it regularly goes to number one. Yeah. It's the book I get asked about the most. It gets recommended. You know, there isn't a day that I don't see it recommended somewhere. And I was really blown away. I had no idea. I was like, you, I didn't know there was even an MM thing on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did no marketing. I did no promotion. I did nothing. It did it all on its dream own. Dream scenario. <laughs> yeah. And I often think to myself, if I had known what might have happened with that book, mm. you know, what could have happened, but these are so I was so blown away that I went back to the publishing company and said, I want my book back, please. Yeah. And they said, mm. and I said, no, I really want it back. Give it back, please. <laughs> they gave it back. I broke it into three, yep. <clears throat> threw it up, and I am currently at the moment finishing book nine in that series. Oh, okay, which series is that one? Is that so that is Sandcap. So one of the things, because it was so accidental, yeah. you know, I mean, by the time I had the first three Sandcaps up and I was well into my my Masters by then, I was pretty sure I wasn't coming back to journalism. I, yeah. This was, you know, I'd found my home. I It never occurred to me to use a, a pen name. Oh. And most email writers do for a lot of very obvious reasons, you know, a lot of people can't safely tell their families or their communities that that's what they do. Right, yeah. I am extraordinarily privileged in that I can. Mm. People, there's a few people in my network who are a bit uncomfortable about it, but on the whole, nobody cares. Mm. My family are hugely supportive. My kids are amazing cheerleaders. My sister will go, hi, I'm Fiona. Do you want to buy my sister's books? <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> um, so I'm very lucky. Yeah. And one of the things that that meant was, well, what do I do if I wanted to try some of the other sub-niches? Do I do them with a pen name in case... And then I thought, look, at this point, I'm just going to throw them all under my name. So we were talking one afternoon, my my editor and I, about doing a Christmas story. I thought, well, if you're going to do a Christmas story and you're going to do Santa, what if you really played with it? (laughs) And what if... Santa wasn't the way we imagine him. What if you made it hot as fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, porn star material. 
and then th- threw in this geeky little computer tech, what could happen? What yeah. would that look like? Naughty and Nice is like the corniest <laughs> title on the planet. But the series does really well. So yeah. we ended up with Naughty and Nice, who is Christmas, obviously. Blossoms and Bows, which is the Cupid who's in charge of Valentine's Day. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Who is extremely high-strung and a virgin. So we've got this this fae who's in charge of putting everybody together and has never been in love and never had sex. And is, you know, so neurotic that throughout the series people are telling him off. Yeah. I guess there's, yeah, there's something in there, isn't there, about you being a woman and writing writing this about about authenticity, I suppose, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Is that something you've struggled against? or it, That is a problem in the genre. The vast, vast majority of MM Romance writers are women, mm. and the vast majority of those women are straight. So I am Pan, mm-hmm. and I'm obviously a pet. Yeah. Apologies to the offspring, should they be listening to this. <laughs> they know that, yeah. but you know. But most of the women are straight white women. Mm. And we do get a lot of, of pushback, both from from straight communities and from gay men, you know, women should not be writing to men. Mm. My response to that is that, you know, men write women all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so can we just knock that off? That that's just ridiculous. Men write women some men write women badly. Some write them well. Some women write men badly, some write them well. Um we're all hoping we're doing well. Mm. There is, you know, it does happen that we get books in the genre where it's basically a, a heterosexual relationship and they've just made one of the guys um, a placeholder for, for the wife. Mm. And yes, that is problematic. I try my best not to do that. I know I have had a few people. I have I have several characters with long hair. That's because I happen to like long hair on men. My sons both have long hair. A lot of my male friends have long hair. That's all it is. You know, I'm not trying to make, apart from one who is um, gender fluid, and they have long hair in their story because they're gender fluid. Mm. But most of them, it's just that they have long hair. You know, hair does not have a gender, guys. No, yeah. <laughs> Your audience isn't 100% gay men, no. as one might expect. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people that enjoy your your work, and a lot of them are female. I mean, how much do you actually know about your audience, or how much are you targeting so, them? <clears throat> based on in general know? terms, for the MM audience. The vast majority, probably 80% of the MM audience in general, is straight women. Yeah. The remaining 20% is split between gay men and generally queer people of various identities. My audience, I know anecdotally from various polls and things that I've done, is roughly 45% gay men. Okay. Um, and the remainder are women. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how that happened. Again, it was accidental, but it was a happy accident. Yeah, totally. I know Sankap is very popular with older gay men mm-hmm. who like the soap opera side of it in that it's very much just a series about 
these two men in their lives. Yeah. You know, they do very ordinary things. They take their kids to school. They go to work. They have arguments. There's always a big thing that happens in each book, and mm. they're always ridiculously over the top. But that's what the readers like for some weird reason. But the the meat and bones of the stories is just this normal every day, and they're not butting up against, you know, hey, look at them, they're two men, or. You know, they're, yeah. they're not really butting up against any barriers. They're just living ordinary lives, doing ordinary things. And mm. they like that. They like to see a happy ending. And, you know, we all like to see ourselves in stories. And yeah. we all like to see ourselves as the winner and the hero and, you know, the guy that gets the guy or the guy that gets the girl or, or whatever it is that you want to see. Yeah. So I think when you write that... You know, that, that's kind of my strength. My, my website says, you know, um, people-driven stories, slightly broken boys, because all my guys have, you know, some sort of trauma that they're dealing with. But it's very rarely is it attached in any way to their sexuality. Mm. It, it's some other issue. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's part of what brings the men into my readership, is yeah. that they... They like just seeing the normality of it. There's, you know, they can pretend that you know, the world actually doesn't give a damn yeah, yeah. about who they sleep with. Um, and we all like that. We all, all want that, I think. Absolutely. The, the audience, the other part of your audience, the, the, the females, um, what do you think, and I don't want to conflate, um, you know your work with porn necessarily, but we've certainly seen studies where women's porn searches tend to be lesbian at the top, then gay men followed very closely behind that. And so it's very interesting just to to think about. I'm sure you have that you are telling real life stories. You know, there's romance in there, there's complicated characters, and all the rest of it. And then there's you know, the fact that it's two gay men. I mean, what what do you think is, is pulling um, the women So, in? you know, let, let's be honest. Yes, sex sells, and mm. I am not going to stop putting steamy scenes in tomorrow. Um, I like them. My readers like them. I think, you know, everybody assumes it's the female equivalent of guys watching girl on girl. Yeah. And I guess to some extent there's a little bit of that. It, you know, it, it's... Um, a bit different, it's um, often very erotic, often particularly um, OnlyFans, you've got two very good-looking men, Um, there's no woman being degraded Mm. or used. There is, you get the same sort of, um, those dynamics around the, you know, hey, um, I don't know how to word it, um, where you see the stuff where there's, you know, the slapping and the forcing and the humiliation and stuff. But those yeah. don't tend to get a lot of um, pick-up with women. They, they tend to like the more um, nurturing, realistic, as realistic as born yeah. can be. Um, so quite often um, couples who have um, social media personas who share... So I'm thinking of people like this... Pup Amp and um, his daddy. There's um, quite a lot of influencer couples on on social media who also have have porn 
personas, they they get a lot of pickup because the women like to see the relationship side yeah. of it. That that really speaks to me. I mean, I think you're onto something. I mean, I would imagine that a lot of men could watch porn on fast forward mm. and still be able to, mm. you know, jerk off to it. Whereas yeah. the women want the story. They, wanted, and the, they do. They want the story yeah. in that. And there is... Yes, there's absolutely objectification mm. and there's absolutely, hey, look, I, I'm horny and I want to get off and I mm. would rather watch this. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Certainly no shade from me. I think that people get uptight about it because it's women. Yeah. Now, one question that we talk about a lot, I think it's interesting to ask each guest, is just about their own sort of sex education so I was a teen in the 80s, mm. the early 80s, what's more. I remember at age 10, 11, my mum giving me a, a set of books called um, Where Do I Come From? What's Happening to Me? And they were kind of cartoon illustrated and oh, okay. very popular at the yeah. time. Um, and at the time, I think she was quite liberal for her, for the era. Mm. You know, um, that sounds it. And compared to me bringing up my children, she was quite strict. But <laughs> but for the era, she wasn't. You know, I I was certainly not forbidden to date, and and I wasn't forbidden to wear certain clothes or makeup or anything mm. like that. Um, and she always made sure that I was safe. You know, marched me off to the doctor at sixteen and put me on the pill. And you know, it, we didn't have huge conversations around safe sex or around yeah. sexuality or anything like that but I had a freedom that I know my girlfriends didn't have yeah um, and a lot of my male friends didn't have either for that that matter a lot of what I learned <laughs> though in real terms came from um, books yeah. came from romance novels you know yeah. um, <clears throat> Judith Krantz was huge at the time and she was one of the first women writers to to really write erotic scenes in a mainstream um, romance novel. Yeah. As opposed to say somebody like Jackie Collins, oh, who yeah. you know with the stud and the bitch and and books like that. And and my mother never had any problem with me reading any of those books. You know, so by the time I was fourteen or fifteen, I had read way more erotica than most people have read yeah. in their lives. And I knew I really enjoyed reading it. Um, I was always quite liberal. I wasn't a, um, I've never been a terribly social person, like I'm not a social butterfly. I have um, mild agoraphobia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, have, um, I have ADHD. I, um, I knew I was quite unusual in the sense of I was a bit weird. <laughs> I remember in in the third form, which would have been 1979, 1980, um, we had some sociology students asking, were there any girls in the class who would be happy to go to work and let their husband stay home and look after the house and family? And I was the only person who stood up. And, you know, 31 other kids were looking at me going, what? So I always knew I was a bit of an oddity. I also knew very young that I was attracted to both men and women mm-hmm. um, and that that wasn't something I could share. Right. Um, so I just never did. Um, I had girlfriends at university, but I was never terribly open about it um, in the late 80s. It was yeah. still not really... I mean, you saw same-gender couples around campus and things, but... 
I wasn't social enough to really be part of the community Mm -hmm. at that point. I certainly wasn't a prude and I was interested in what I was interested in, but I just kept it very private and to myself. And again, just everything was read. Never hugely into porn. I didn't mind it, but it was never really the thing that got to go out your way to find it, haven't you, back, back then? Well, yeah. exactly. And, you know, nobody in their right mind was going to admit that, <laughs> were they? <laughs> then I got married um, because that was one way of just being normal mm-hmm. um, and had my children. And I knew that I didn't want my children to grow up feeling weird. So I tried to make sure they had a very open education around around sex that not that they saw it but that they knew that it was a very normal part of life mm-hmm. as opposed very, to like oh, oh you know yeah, yeah. Don't, no we don't, don't don't talk about that we don't um they all had the option they could go to the school sex ed night mm-hmm. or they could sit down in the bedroom with me yeah and they all <laughs> opted for school <laughs> because they knew me way too well yeah <laughs> and they've all grown into normal functioning adults. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, they're, they're three of my favourite people. So they, but my education continued through them, watching mm. them, you know, navigate this much newer world than, than the one I'd grown up in. Um, and again, whenever I had questions, I went back to books. It yeah. was, that was always my first step. Now it tends to be internet, but again, still, still written word. And then when I started writing, I got to a point where I thought, you know, I am in no way a big name writer. You know, mm. I am a very solid second tier writer. I, I, I have no issue with that. But I use my own name and I decided it was time that I needed to be open mm. and authentic. So <laughs> I came out probably about four years ago. Um, via Facebook. Okay. And then had to <laughs> rapidly email my mother in case one of her friends, she's not on Facebook, but a lot of her friends are, oh. and make sure that none of her friends told her before I did. Yeah. Um, my mother's response was, well, that's the worst kept secret in the entire universe. Yeah. Um, my kids went, yeah, yeah, what's for dinner? Yeah. Um, my partner knew anyway. So, you know, it was the world's biggest non-event. Mm. So that was that was coming out as pansexual, is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. Which, as I understand it, is just a, an attraction to everybody. Everybody, everybody. Yeah. yeah. There's a horrible term called hearts, not parts, which I don't like because it suggests that everybody else is only interested in parts, which is Oh, yeah, true. I see what you mean, yeah. Um, but the truth in it is, you know, I... I I'm not attracted by gender. Mm. I'm attracted by a person. Mm. I think that, you know, I wish for everybody who came out that it was as much of a non-event. That's how mm. it should be. Yeah. You know, everybody should just go, yawn, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, you shouldn't even have to have the conversation. It should just be, oh, you know, well they're done. dating whoever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who cares? Yeah. When I owned up to to my kitten, that was was an education all over again. Yeah. And, so tell me about that. There's a, a writer I really, really like, M.A. Innes, who, who writes lovely, sweet, fluffy, 
very spicy MM. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a, a series, a trilogy of pup play. And I spent six months going, I am not reading that. Right. I am not reading that. And I sat down one day and thought, you know, why are you so knee-jerk against reading these books when kink doesn't bother you? You know, yeah. none of this bothers So I made myself read them. And absolutely, Emma Ennis writes just the most beautiful characters, and I fell in love with these guys. They're just gorgeous. They're a, a thruple, so there's three of them, two pups and a master, and the pups were just adorable. And I sat there going... I totally get why they like their time as a pup. Mm. But I knew that wasn't who I was. So I just went back to my life. Um, but it kind of stayed with me. And I, I knew that there was a part of me that wanted something, some way where I could unhook from the world, just be me, and kind of... Because I'm quite a, um, believe it or not, <laughs> I'm a bit of a hermit because I have this really bad social anxiety. Um, so I don't go out a lot. I get really nervous. So if you'd seen the freak out this morning before I came in oh, here, dear. yeah, like major anxiety attack. Um, something that could help me deal with those things. Um, and I started sort of sniffing around the pet play community and, and reading about it and um, I got the idea for Pet Me and um, Bailey and Pet Me is into pony play and in particular unicorn pony play mm. um, and by the time I'd finished that I'd sort of written through some of my questions in my head around pet play but I knew it still wasn't me and one day I was, I have two Tonkinese, and I was talking to my Tonkinese, and somebody made a throwaway comment about, God, you'd be a cat if you could. Mm-hmm. And I went, um, actually. Yeah, there it is. There it is. And I didn't say anything until my editor came over from Australia, and I said to her, I think I'm kitten. And she said, yeah, I think you're a kitten too. And we went out and bought my first set of ears. um, And I've never taken them off. Brilliant. And to my my children and my mother's eternal (laughs) embarrassment, I wear them everywhere. Yeah. So I never go anywhere without ears or a collar. You know, I just, if I get really freaked out like I did this morning, I just let my kitten take over. Yeah. So I always wear my ears and my collar. I have... Um, fingerless mitts that have toe beans. Oh yeah. Um, and I have a human-sized cat bed, mm-hmm. which is just a massive bean bag with two thousand liters of beans in Sounds it. Lovely, yeah. <laughs> it is. People always give me the side eye, and then I go, "Just go online that just for a minute." <laughs> and five minutes later, they're like, "Oh my god, Bye. where did you get it?" <laughs> um, and you put it in the sun. Yeah. And if I'm having a really stressful day, um, or if I'm having a really bad mental health day, um, if my anxiety is playing up, um, I go and crawl on to the bed with a book, and usually my cats join me, and you know, within minutes, everybody's sound asleep in the sun. Yeah. Um, 
if I'm really lucky, someone will come and scratch my ears or my tummy and, you know, bring me a glass of milk and a chocolate biscuit. Yeah. And, and it's wonderful. You know, for, for that amount of time, I don't have to deal with writing, with taxes, with family problems, with anything. Mm. Because Angel's left. Yeah. Kitten's in residence and she doesn't have to do any of those things. Yeah. Because famously cats don't deal with anything exactly <laughs> yeah but once i get up off the you know off yeah. the cat bed well then i'm usually ready to deal with whatever the problem was mm. yeah and that's basically what happens when people want to be a little or a pet or whatever they just they need to unlock from those stresses and just be able to put them aside for half an hour sometimes mm. yeah is all you need yeah if i took my collar and ears off I would not have left the house this morning mm. I would have phoned you yeah and I was lying in bed at six o'clock this morning going I wonder what, if I can phone what how I can get out of it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and I was going through a list um and I messaged my editor and, and told her and she said oh for god's sake go and put your ears on um so, you know, I, I did that and, and then I was able to take the next step and mm. the next step and the next step. For me, I don't care. People do a double take and they go, why is she wearing ears? I mean, they suit you. So, and uh, you know, I don't care. Yeah. That doesn't bother yeah. me. But if I was walking down the street and they went, why is her hair that funny colour? And I didn't have my ears on. I'd go home and not leave the house again for a week. I see. Right. But it does not bother me. When I have my ears and collar on, yeah, but without them, completely freaks me out. Yeah. So you know, going circling back to your question about what what I have learned since starting this, mm. well, that's probably the for me personally the greatest thing that I've got out of my writing yeah. is that for the first time in my life, I can be one hundred percent me. Mm. I are my anxieties gone? No. No. <laughs> But I can cope with them and I'm not keeping them privately locked away where nobody can see them. Um, so the person that people meet now is is me. That yeah. It's not just this very small part of me. Um, and I think it makes me a better writer. I think it's made me a better partner mm. to, to my partner. And I think it makes me um, a better mother. I think it... It's been good for my children to see that you don't have to be 20 because they're all in, um, my two younger ones are in their 20s and my older one's in his 30s. You, know, you don't have to have it all sussed at 25. Mm, no way. You can be in your 50s and go, huh, yeah. look at that. Look at that. I just wrote a bestseller. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can change my career. I can yeah. suddenly turn into a kitten. Yeah. Um, I can come out. I can do this thing here I can travel I can whatever you know you, there's no no set point in the road mm. for any of it and certainly not for things like your sexuality or your identification or, or anything like that yeah chop and change whenever yeah, you want yeah, yeah. The, this idea that we have to have we have to be us by the time we're 20 and that's us yeah it has to go that's oh, terrifying isn't it Okie dokie. Uh, what have we got coming up? Anything Anything coming up next you want to... Um, I have um, book nine and sand caps coming out soon. Oh, yeah. 
very soon. And then my my next book is Tennessee Whiskey. All your books are available through your website, and yeah. they're all on. Oh, well, most of them on Amazon as well. They're all on Amazon. The yeah. standalones are also available on Kobo and Nook and, and all of those oh, places. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, but the series are all all on Amazon. Brilliant. Um, and, um, and you do yeah. social media? I do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't we all? <laughs> we do. <laughs> we yeah. do. You know, yeah. um, I'm in all the usual places. And like I said, I, um, I'm the weirdo who didn't think to use a pen name. So, so it all, is you. <laughs> all you do is, yeah. um, you know, you look for me, and, and the downside of that is you do also get, you know, doting mother pictures and, <laughs> oh, look, here's my cat. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fine. <laughs> right, let's wrap this up. Thanks. Absolutely. We really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you want to find more of Angel, you can check out her Instagram at Angelique Jurd, or you can go to her website, angeliquejurd.com. Before we sign off, we want to remind you to check out our book available at sexandspace.com forward slash book, or just search on Amazon for The Organ Education Forgot. And if you prefer a digital copy, you can also get it as a downloadable PDF for eight New Zealand dollars. Make sure to leave a like, follow, comment, or review wherever you're tuning in from. Your support really means the world to us. Until next time, safe travels and see you on the next episode.